and welcome to How to Grow Pod, the podcast about podcasting from the book How to Start and Grow a Successful Podcast by me, Jilly Smith. This is where you'll find the almost unedited interviews by the pioneers of podcasting, the hobbyists and the pros who feature in the book. This week, in the last episode, award-winning podcaster, author, sound design geek and academic Lance Dan tells me his top tips to get podcasts discovered, how to game the system, and how to get to the top of the iTunes chart, and if charts matter anyway. I asked him first to tell us about his award-winning podcast, the hyperkinetic techno-thriller, Blood Culture. So, Blood Culture was a kind of very exciting and visceral and high-paced conspiracy thriller based around uh, the culture of... Um, uh, corrupt biomedical science. It was set in a sort of Amazon-esque company that was up to sort of no good with their uh, various interns and employers. And what were they doing to the interns and why were they dying? So it's a kind of high-paced thriller that went across um, 10 episodes. It came out 2017, I want to say. Something like that. Drama is your thing, but sound design is your thing. So you're ticking a lot of boxes here. British podcasting, picking up on the very strong drama tradition that podcasting was already starting to kind of colonise, but then banging in the sound design that geeks love. Tell us about some of the top tricks that you use there to to create beautiful sound um, on podcasting. Well, actually, the... I think that with something that's densely sound designed, I think you've if if you've got to have a very realistic view of the time and effort it takes um, to create. And in actual fact, a lot of very successful audio fiction or drama podcasts are actually quite sa- simplistic sound-wise. So actually, Blood Culture was unusual in that because we managed to procure a budget that we were funded by the Wellcome Trust uh, and some other people... We actually spent quite a lot of money making those episodes. And therefore, the the trick is really to it's time. It's lots of time and lots of small detail and working. You know, we employ, you know, professionals and people worked in films to build that sound picture. But part of the lesson about podcasting is that you don't necessarily need to do that. You can it's uh, sometimes a much more simple format can convey story much more directly so a very successful podcast around at the same time called the bright sessions was simply set in a um psychiatrist's uh, office and it was people coming in to talk to the psychiatrist and then the psychiatrist she began to put together that everyone's had something in common and it turns out everyone had super superpowers and it went off onto this like extraordinary story that went across <laughs> 50 episodes but fundamentally it was just two actors talking in a room and it was replicable cheaply, quickly, and over and over. And it was just storytelling. And, and, and therefore, yeah, you don't need to go to the full blood culture effect, uh, which takes a lot of time and a lot of money. I've just done a kids' show at the moment, and I've gone down the same path. I think I've realised I can't get away from those highly integrated, dense sound pieces. That's just, you know who I that's just am. who you are and that's what you love and that's the whole thing about podcasting is doing what you love and that's what my book is all about it's about you know just finding a way to have some fun and 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 yeah it's sort of getting off the hamster wheel of life and just doing the stuff you love having said that you when you go for big funding like the welcome trust you are then accountable is there certain kind of outcome impact that you have to then tick off the list is that why you had to game the system okay so we're 
Blood Culture, um, it we didn't actually di- I didn't directly bl- well I game the system with Blood Culture in one way, and um, let me just rewind and say yes, you know, within Blood Culture, I'd promise a that we'd gain a younger audience and present them with sort of biomedical issues and uh, get them thinking about science. So yeah, that was inherent in that bid, and. I'm working on the res at the moment, which is coming out in April, which is a uh, eight to eleven year olds. Um, so we've got to get them, of course. You know, we've gone to the arts council, got an awful lot of money out of the arts council, and we are hundred percent targeting a really difficult to get a reach demographic with that. Uh, and that's yeah, that's inherent in the in the setup. So you have to find different ways around it. With the res, we've gone, we've tied in with an American podcast company that uh, that um, distributes to kids and has that rep, that status already and with blood culture um i kind of you know w- worked around the the um communities online and the fandom around audio fiction it tends to be younger and then find other ways to help the profile of the show so with blood culture let's hear the story now this is in the book but i took it from your book which you wrote with martin <laughs> spinelli um podcasting the audio media revolution so tell us what you did you wanted to get on new and noteworthy. First of all, break down for people who don't understand why that's so important, if it's so important. What is that all about? Well, the okay, the, it's being discovered is the most important thing with podcasting. It's discoverability, being noticed, and um, I mean, I saw some terrifying figure about the number of podcasts being released in 2020 that was to today, and it's you know we're almost get 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 to the status where there are more podcasts than there there are listeners it's a huge amount of material but if you want to be noticed within your own particular sphere i think that's that's the good thing for you to say when you're starting off okay how am i going to be spotted in whatever my particular sphere is and one of the ways that you can get noticed is by um pushing yourself higher up uh, algorithms by being spotted by things like apple podcasts algorithms and then promoted um through their systems so in new and noteworthy came up this a couple of weeks ago as a discussion it's felt that it's less important these days so it used to be a big deal on being on this little kind of splash screen on the um what was the itunes store and you would like recent shows would pop up in their first eight weeks i want to say i think it's slightly longer 12 weeks but Fewer people are necessarily using that as uh, um, ways of finding out about shows. But a big thing is still being spotted and picked up uh, through the iTunes charts. So that's a kind of a bigger deal. And that the, the gaming and playing the iTunes charts and knowing how they work can also give you a sense of perspective about other shows on those charts. And also, I think within the industry, it's just a nice thing to say. It's not everything. But having a good chart rating, especially in your category, can be, you know, it can propel you, give you a little bit of oomph to get noticed. Yeah. But did, you did it all around the getting on new, new and noteworthy, which at the time, well, still is, it only happens in the first eight weeks. If you haven't got on new and noteworthy within the, the first eight weeks, you're unlikely to get on it. Although you see, still see the same old, same old on new and noteworthy, you know, years and years later. But you p- absolutely piled on all the activity around your podcast in those first eight weeks, well, before the launch, didn't you? So, so the I, I think the, let's talk about the podcast charts. The podcast charts, the Apple podcast charts are based on new subscribers, 
and therefore you can if it's so it's not on the number of downloads which keeps the, the charts moving around it means that shows can pop up be in the charts for a few weeks and then drop down as opposed to always being um joe rogan and always being you know the same shows just locked in just purely on number of downloads so it means that if you get a lot of concentrated uh, listenership in a very short period of time lots of people subscribing at once you can actually ping up the charts and be in there and be mixing next to the kind of you know much bigger shows even if eventually x number of weeks later your subscri- your new subscription rate drops off slowly and you slide down now it means that people in the industry know this and therefore we get slightly less excited about high chart ratings but at the same time it still gives you that marker so it's it, it's like it's not the be all and end all if someone says they got to number 1 in the charts especially these days you're like aha uh-huh, well done but it's also it's a good way to get yourself a little bit of profile if you can then get everyone subscribing at the same time and then get yourself that little kick to get notice. And that's that's what I experimented with with blood culture. Um, and in the opening, this so the opening period, I basically put out a call. Basically, I got everyone to subscribe that I knew was involved with the show, were fans of the show. You know, even if they weren't going to listen to the show, I basically said to loads and loads of people, subsc- like the minute we come out on April the twenty seventh. Um, or yes, it was April. I think it was April. It was. It's like let's everyone subscribe at once, and I want you know just just hit that button. And we got all the actors and all the performers, and lots of people. So basically, across that first weekend, it doesn't take much. It just takes about a thousand people inside forty-eight hours to subscribe, and suddenly you're in the top twenty. And and then you can pick up other other people might notice you and it can keep going and it can keep keep going and you can maintain that status. So it's it's part of the message is that if you're going to on your launch, launch strong and get lots of people to pay attention and get them all subscribing at once and have that little boost. And, it, it you know, it's like I say, it's not everything, but it's a nice thing to be able to say, yeah, we, we, we chart it highly. And, and for a, a while, yeah, but we spent about three weeks at the top of the drama chart with that show. Uh, and we were beating the archers. Um, and, you know, and it, it gave it that little lift. I gave it that. Profile. I've beaten the archers as well too yes. with the delicious podcast. We got them off the number one slot too. Also within your categories, remember that that, that it's like within like select your categories, and then if you can get profile within those areas, that's a big deal because it's like you are dealing with such niche tastes and niche areas. So it you know you might not be able to combat against BBC Sounds who are just swamping the charts these days and they're swamping the output, but you can still kind of get profile in your own particular area, which is another strong thing. So it's it's getting like clustering everyone to subscribe at once in the first few weeks to get that little push, and then you can kind of get that temporary chart position, which is like I think it's it's good for a profile. But it's not everything. So you had 500 new subscribers on the first day of release. And that placed it next to Adam Buxton in the UK iTunes chart. Now, everyone loves a winner. So they're going to be watching that and they're going to be interested. The people who are watching the charts, not not that many people interested in the charts. But those who are, are going to really then get behind this. Three days after its launch, Blood Culture was number one in the Apple charts. You had 150,000 listeners in six months. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? How did that feel? Knowing that you'd gone into it deliberately to game the system. Well, I didn't. I mean, like, I, that gave it its propel. I mean, it, it was also, um, you know, it's interesting that, that actually I kind of, one of the frustrating things I found with that project is that it 
when I found the flames of publicity, when I went online, when I was chatting on social media, you could get it going. It felt like a fire that kept that that I didn't quite catch. So even though you say 150,000, it didn't quite get its own life. And I think partly because it's quite a strange and difficult listen. So what you really want is your show just to get its own life and the audience to build without you having to actively work it. Uh, and there's a lot of work that went around that show to keep it in, in um, being discussed and in the public eye and things like that. So I think any particular show, um, you know, it, you are looking for that magic moment when they then just take off and get their own momentum going and they b- build their own audience. And you can see it happening around other shows too. Um, but... You know, that's that's sorry, that's a bit of a negative answer. <laughs> well, I was going to say, actually, it's a lovely thing to do that. I mean, it's no it's, it doesn't take a huge amount of time. It's engaging the people who uh, want to kind of support you and follow you. It's like crowdfunding. The people who engage with that kind of thing, they they feel that they're part of something that's new. And the more success you have, they feel that they're in there right at the beginning. People feel that they've discovered you or they were there holding your hand all the way through and and as you rise so they kind of ride on your coattails it's a very lovely feeling i think yeah i mean that's the, that's the thing that, that i think that when you online and i'm thinking about the twitter sphere people chatting about shows on twitter which is my main way of touching into that audience um i think it I think you need to so, sort of the, the, the other thing is when you're marketing and discussing your show online don't just uh, hype your show don't just be talking about that you've got to talk about other things too and then say oh I've got this thing this show do you want to listen to it and then also you're sort of looking at uh, the people who are the big influencers in any particular scene who can then if if they then tweet out or comment on it positively they'll pick in other people and you'll get boosts off off, off it so it's sort of becoming part of a an environment and a way of, of discussing a show uh, and a particular specialism whatever your show's about but sort of being in there as part of that community rather than just being someone hawking and saying, oh, you know, yeah. listen to my show, listen to my show. Yeah, it's, a, it's finding your tribe, isn't it? And finding your people and, and getting cosy and, and, and enjoying it with them. Now, the cynic in you is now going to tell me how to pay for it. Well, this, this uh, uh, is through a site. So basically, if let's go back to this. Um, why did, if it takes 500 downloads to beat Adam Buxton for a day, and if you think about that, if you think, oh, 500 doesn't sound much, 500, that means that, that, that Adam Buxton's getting 500 new subscribers every single day. So he's getting, um, you know, a thousand, he's getting 180,000 subscribers, new subscribers a year, or, um, you know, which across over a period of time means that he's going to get millions of downloads. So, but that actually, that boils down to just 500 each day. Boom, boom, boom. Now, that actually, doing 500 subscribers, that's not that many. And what uh, has, has been discovered is that on a site called Fiverr.com, actually, I haven't checked to see whether they're still doing it or they've been booted. That's F I V E R.com. You get lots of people advertising um, on. Um, that they'll do um, podcast marketing for you, guaranteed position, blah, blah, blah. Um, and what they're doing is you pay them a very small amount of money, just 10 bucks or so. Uh, Fiverr's named Fiverr because it's meant to be five bucks doing me a small job. And mm. these people will um, magically ca- uh, catapult your show into the charts. So, uh, and what they're actually doing, so, I, and, and I tried this, I got an old show, a defunct show uh, that had been sort of 
hadn't touched for a few years and i said right get can you get this into the arts chart and i gave them um like i think it cost me 20 bucks and we were into the top 10 in the arts area <laughs> from nowhere and it was like the other people involved in the show i remember ringing them up and them, them going lance you're a magician how are you doing this and i was like Haha, i can't tell you um and but what all these are, 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 are happening most of these people are based in bangladesh it went around a community of um it people in bangladesh how to do this um and i it's i did some extra kind of research after the book and it's very very it's incredible i thought they were running computer programs and that were just sort of subscribing and subscribing subscribing what they're doing is they've got tons and tons and tons of apple accounts that they've bought and they are physically sitting there going subscribe download 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 off new accounts subscribe download 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 off and they're doing it manually over and over and over and just getting like 10 bucks for something that might take them half an hour um and so yeah they're manually doing it and then swapping account and doing it again so that it's basically they are churning this and you can there this this got outed about and it became an issue about two years ago when um it was noticed like a lot of weird dentistry podcasts were in the top 10 of all american <laughs> podcasts and people were like how many of these podcasts are real and apparently some actually quite mainstream people have also used this as a technique um the only caveat to that and i noticed it's quite a subtle thing it um screws up your recommendations so in if your show It'll say people who like the show also like these other shows. And that's why that you can get rec recommended within communities of people who are into shows, if that makes sense. And I noticed that on the one that I um, did this little trick on, a lot of the other associated shows were also other dodgy shows that people have done. <laughs> because people who like the show are other people who have paid for it, basically. You become <laughs> part of this network of dodgy shows. Um, and there are lots of self-help shows and dodgy dentistry shows and things. Um so yeah you can do that to give yourself that artificial leap up and it, yeah you could do it for very little money um but at the same time it will in the end ruin your algorithms um so. <laughs> does it matter ultimately does your place in the chart actually matter it depends on what story you want to tell i think it helps to get i tell you where it would make a difference it's to people outside podcasting and that's a bit that's again a bit cynical isn't it if you t if your boss said can you do me a podcast to advertise our fantastic uh funeral home <laughs> and then you said oh our funeral home podcast has got in the top 10 of all podcasts they'd think you're some kind of genius but actually within the world of podcasting everyone knows that this is uh, the system doesn't quite mean what it means and certainly like, for instance, I do have this show launching in April and I will still look at those charts. And if it does well, I will still feel a little glimmer of excitement, but I probably won't be shouting about it quite as loud because it, it doesn't quite mean what people thought it means. I think I'll be like, oh, look, I got to number 10. Hey, nice. As opposed to like uh, being quite as excited as perhaps we were several years back when, when all this was quite new. Because remember, Apple don't tell us how people have had to work out the, it, the information of how they calculate the chart has gradually slipped out so it isn't something they've announced so therefore a few years ago it was a bit of a mystery but people figured it out and hence this group of uh, this small group of people over in bangladesh figuring out just by clicking you can just get your show up the clark the charts and what yeah. i'm doing with my friends is basically equivalent of that i'm just getting people to do it and it's a bit more genuine i was going to talk about the carousel you know the carousel at the top of the the um itunes page all I know about that is that you, um, <laughs> it's 
we're back to the old school um, system of personal recommendation. So the only people I know who get into Carousel who know the people. Well, I managed to get on the Carousel, I think twice when I was at the Delicious podcast. One was with Rick Stein and I think the other one was Nigella. But in order to get on the Carousel, you have to submit a really complicated bit of artwork, which means you have to have a some kind of, you know, artist working for you or a designer. I mean, it's, I can't even remember how, wh- what was so complicated about it, but it was a, re- it was a PSD file. Not, who, do, who can do a PSD file, for heaven's sake? 3,000 by 3,000 DPI PSD file. I, I'm shocked that you know that. I know heart. that because we've been doing it last week <laughs> and you have to prepare your banner. Um, and um, it tends to get that, yeah, to get that position like on uh, the, car- the what you call the carousel. Yeah, you. it's interesting. If they picked it up without... Did you do a press release to get on it? Yeah, of course. We put the whole thing down. You know, it's Delicious Magazine, one of the biggest food magazines right. in the country. You know, that's why it was on the carousel. Got- and you look at those pictures on the carousel and you think, is this a level playing field? No, it's not. And also the, the, the degree of nepotism, people don't know. I mean, the, the other people that I know have gotten the carousel have known someone within Apple, within the, the podcast setup, and have had a word and have got onto the carousel. Um, and, uh, um, you know, I, the fact that something could... If, I mean, this is what's kind of happened with podcasting and why I'm not sort of saying to people, oh, you can have a massive top 10 hit out of nowhere. It's so much harder now. And that's why I really you've got to think about your hit being in your own sphere like find a like within your niche and make sure that you're attracting that niche audience that uh, that would really be actively involved and don't compare yourself to you know the the huge shows out there because they have marketing budgets and they're cheating exactly. have fun with it find your tribe speak to the people who love you about the things that you love that's my top yeah. tip on podcasting and it's much better if you get 100 people who are absolutely passionate about your subject than, you know, that's better than a, uh, 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 you know, the, that counts for more than a, than a much bigger audience who are going to be vaguely interested, who you can't talk to in that very particular way. I mean, that's the difference between podcasting and radio is that if you were to talk about a niche subject on radio, you have to become very general. Uh, whereas uh, you can really, really refine and you can just talk exactly what you want to talk about to people who are so excited to encounter someone talking to their passion. And that's the thing. It can be very, very... Your audience will be hotter and warmer and more engaged, but they might be smaller. But there again, they'll you know, follow you around with more passion and be more interested in what, what you're doing. And that's it. Thanks to all my pioneering interviewees for sharing their tips and techniques and to all of you for listening. You can buy the book, How to Start and Grow a Podcast by me, Jilly Smith, featuring all of the interviewees in this podcast at any bookshop or go to jillysmith.com and click on the bookshop tab. And you can find me over at Cooking the Books with Jilly Smith and Leon's How to Eat to Save the Planet and do listen to Right to Food, the pioneering podcast from the Food Foundation. And best of luck with your podcasting. <laughs>